Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and once again, you're welcome to Cabin Devils. My name is David, and yep, I'll be your host tonight. Um, it's a very, very, very difficult topic uh, tonight, but I really hope that we'll at least get some answers uh, concerning this weirdness of uh, racism. And I know sometimes when you think about racism, you're tempted to think that this is only a Western problem, and it is not. It is not. It's here in Africa. It's here in Uganda. It is everywhere. And I think the Bible has some answers, or at least um, some clues on how we ought to react, especially as believers. But thank you so much, guys, for coming in. Ivan, glad to see you. Adra, thank you so much for being here. I like your comment. Hello, my tribesmen. <laughs> awesome, awesome. What's up, James? Thank you. Grace to be here. Lindsay, Ankunda, glad that you're here. Angela. Angela and Krunziza, nice. That sounds like uh, um, a church that I know uh, from Rwanda. But Angela, thank you so much for being here. And Katie, all the way from Florida. Uh, and we do have that weird name, Origi PD. That's Pastor Patrick. Glad that you guys have been able to join in here and uh, into this very, very important discussion. Tonight, I'm going to be hosting Mr. David Chiravira who is going to take us through uh, our discussion today. Maybe I'll ask you to post a comment of any encounter that you have had um, where either someone has been not nice in relation to what tribe the other person belongs to. It could have been a conversation in a taxi. It could have been uh, maybe a statement you heard someone mention yeah, that they were near you. It could have been you that was being referred to as uh, from a different tribe, not in a very, very nice way. Let me ask you to post that in the comment and uh, what you think about what we are looking concerning tribalism or racism and the statement we have on our poster is my tribe is better than your tribe and i corrected that and i said my tribe is not better than your tribe why because we are one people and i think the bible is clear when it says there's neither jew nor gentile uh, no greek and it's interesting that these nationalities are mentioned, but the unifying factor is what we have in Christ Jesus, in what we have in Christ Jesus. Today we sang a song, and almost of you know it, a church uh, that is called Good Grace. I intended to play this song for you. Maybe I will play it uh, at the end. But it's interesting, verse 1, um, the way it starts, that for me caught my attention. Good Grace, Good Grace. Let me just pull it up here and, uh, and just... Uh, read it for you. Most of you know this song, but I thought it was interesting. This guy right wrote the song. It's a hill song song. It says, people come together, strange as neighbors. Our blood is one. Children of generations of every nation of kingdom come. And that's a very, very beautiful song. And I know the chorus seems to go on a different tangent, but I would like to say for me, this song was an encouragement uh, two weeks ago. Uh, especially the chorus when it says, do not let your heart be troubled. Hold your head up high. Do not fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage. Hold on. Be strong. Remember where our help comes from. Those words were of great, great encouragement uh, to me two weeks ago. They still are. They still are. Uh, some of us, if you know, have been going through a very, very rough time uh, with our health. But God remains good. Once again, glad to have you. Did you know that it was God himself that divided us? I think we were one tribe in the beginning until the Tower of Babel when he gave us different languages. And at that point, he sent us different directions. And until today, we are different people. It's interesting also that in the years to come, you think about it, even in the kingdom, it will be every tribe, every nation gathered. And I think people have argued about the language that we shall speak in heaven. I still do not know, but I, I can see that tribes are recognized even in the kingdom. Those are two interesting facts. If you look at the beginning of, of time, there were nations being created and tribes being created based on language. But also in the end of time, you still see the scriptures recognizing the different tribes. But one thing is true about those tribes in the times to come. Each of them will bow down 
each of them will bow down. And I think that knee right there or those knees bowed down will be the unifying factor, knowing that we are all one in Christ Jesus. Some questions I cannot find answers to. I can only speculate is why God will send the Israelites um, in the land that he gave them to go and, yeah, kind of drive them out of their land and take the land. Those seem like very, very unfair, very, very unfair things that you see through scriptures. And as we're discussing this, I was reminded that God does different things at different times with different people. Just because the Baganda probably had war with the neighboring tribes does not mean that until today we'll continue fighting uh, just because it happened in the past. Those were different times, different moments. And I think that we have things to learn uh, from history um, in a way to say, no, I cannot live the way the people of mine lived in history. I will choose to be different. You all know about James Hamilton uh, that was killed for coming from a different direction, entering the kingdom. And the guy died just because he came from a different direction. And most of you who have done Ugandan history know about that. But thank you so much, uh, Adra. Adra says, I have this white friend who is a great missionary here in Nigeria, but from the States. Many of my close friends treat him always as a suspect because they say the white man is always up to something bad. The argument is slave trade. This is bad indeed. Yeah, that that is really difficult. That is really difficult, especially because these things happened years ago, but we begin to think that any people attributed to who have lineage uh, that is coming from that kind of history have the same intention. I think that is really, really difficult even to deal with. I cannot imagine... Uh, what your friend is going through, choosing to come and reach the people and the people have those kinds of thoughts uh, towards him. David, you are welcome. Glad to have you. How have you been? Thank you, David. Um, it's been a busy day for me, <laughs> um, but that's that's life. But good, good, good. Um, good Amen. to be a part Amen. of this, yes. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I should start on the lighter note on, uh, or in the darker note. <laughs> I don't even think there's anything like that. But yes. until this evening, Devi, it had not mm. occurred to me that by me inviting you on this show, you married a Mzungu. Mm. And mm. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if you ever experienced uh, comments, how your family took that. Um, um, but yeah, please talk to us, Devi. Especially about that marriage. Um, some people may think you got married because you wanted a visa to America. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, um, yes, it's true. I mean, I'm, I'm married to someone from a different race. Uh, but, uh, I mean, like you say, people have different perspectives. People have different mm. views, you know. Um, I, I've been to places where... Uh, Recently, I attended, the, I was at a funeral and, uh, you know, there were, there were people who were there and, and one of their scaries told me, hey, man, you're a very powerful man. You, you've mm. married a Muzungu. Um, you know, and there are those who, you know, have those uh, thoughts that you're married to a Muzungu because of a green card or a visa. But then mm. you also find people who just don't like it, the fact that you are in an interracial marriage. And especially mm. when you when you go to the Western world, uh, in the U.S., there's people who are just disgusted. You can actually see the utter disgust on their face at the sight of an interracial marriage. And then there are those who are just neutral. So I mean, it it comes with it comes with uh, its own packages. I think what you need to 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 have is just your sense of security and belonging in Christ and, and everything mm. else is, it just becomes um, hogwash. So, yeah, but it's been interesting. And, um, and, and in, in a way, I mean, the other day I was sitting at a table talking to someone and, and he said, you know, in, in truth is that every, every, every marriage, now if I delve into marriage, is, is an intercultural marriage, mm. if you think mm. about it. You know, if, even if you marry someone from your tribe, it's still an intercultural because that that young lady has come from a different family that has a different culture from your culture. So in essence, there are differences. There's going to be differences in, in all aspects. 
Wow, it's it's interesting that you say we must find our identity uh, in Christ. Um, because even when, yes, you are both from the same tribe, you still have different cultures. It was interesting, the more I thought about this, how culture kept popping up um, in the sense that some people um, dislike a different group of people because of their culture, maybe because of the God that they worship. And so when you hear you are from this end, they assume that you are your people. Um, and, and so it's it's just interesting the culture comes up. By the way, just maybe as a point of information for you, David, uh, when I talked to Amanda about suggesting topics that we need to cover here on Cabin Devils, one of the ones she brought up was the question, should I kneel down when I'm serving him food? <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Um, no, of course, knowing that she, she got married to someone from... Uh, a different culture, let's put it that way, and and what they consider respect and things like that. Now, those of you who are not Baganda, don't start chucking for uh, the Baganda because our wives kneel down to serve us food, but Mm. it's just being different. We're just being different. How should a Christian, David, address those differences in culture? Um, And and for me, I'll give one example. I did go to... Uh, We had a training with pastors in Rwanda. It was quite Mm. in a remote place. And I I had to leave earlier before the training ended officially because I had to test for COVID and and, and get get onto uh, my transport to bring me back. Uh, And all of that was time bound. But as I prepared to leave, they were about to serve lunch. And this gentleman, one of the pastors, insisted that I stay and eat. And I also insisted that I must go for this test because the clinic is going to close. And as I grabbed my bag to go, the guy said, at least dip your spoon into the plate and take one spoon and then you can go. It's at that point that I realized that this is not just food. It's actually refusing to eat could mean something more dangerous than I actually thought initially. So I sat down and ate. And I missed the clinic. It closed. I missed my transport back. I had to postpone all of those trips to the next available time. And it was actually a weekend, if I remember correctly. It was a weekend, meaning it's tight. The next day is a Sunday, and it's going to be very, very difficult. And with all of that, today, two weeks ago, actually a week, exactly a week ago, we were able, with these same pastors, to reach thousands of people through a soccer tournament. And the relationship is still tight, if I can put it that way. But mm-hmm. it took some sensitivity in knowing and acknowledging another culture, not to say, ah, ah, I need to catch the clinic. I need to. But yeah, there needs to be wisdom, Devi, in integrating these things, even as we think about different cultures, different tribes, uh, marrying people from different tribes and nations. But what are some of the principles, Devi, that come to you when you think about how complex uh, this situation is? Well, I mean, quite a number of issues um, in, in, in the scenario you've given. And, and just going back to the example you gave of my wife asking, you know, should you, should you kneel? Um, by the way, I have an amazing, an amazing uh, woman for a wife. Uh, Amanda, kneeling for her is not an issue. Um, you know, she, she would kneel down for my, for my mom. She would kneel down for some of my relatives. Uh, and, and it's actually my relatives who had to stop her from doing that. My mom... Uh, was quite different. She wasn't so traditional. So they would fight. Amanda would want to kneel and my mom would insist on her not kneeling. So it was always mm-hmm. nice to to see that. Um, and I don't think if I, I if I asked her to, to, to kneel down for me, which I don't see the value of, um, I don't think she would have any problems in doing that. Um, but but I think that also goes goes to you know the, the spiritual maturity. Uh, there are certain things that are not worth, you know, the fight. Um, but um, besides that, um, there are, when, when you talk about diversity, when you have a situation where you have different people um, in, in a community, there's things that are needed for uh, that community to go forward um, in, in unity and in harmony and for it to survive and develop. And uh, maybe if you delve into the area of psychology a little bit and, and leadership um, studies, there are five quotients that have been identified 
Uh, one is the IQ, which is known by most people, the IQ, the intelligence of an individual. You need to be intelligent enough to be able to see and, and, and figure out the dynamics. But there's also the emotional intelligence. You know, emotional intelligence is very crucial in, in how we interact um, with people, get, getting to see their emotions, getting to know your emotions, getting to control your emotions. That, that's emotional intelligence is needed. There's another quotient, which is also the CQ. So it's called the cultural uh, quotient or intelligence. Being aware of the different cultures that exist uh, within a given environment. And then the, the, other, the other two are not so much uh, related to what we're talking about. The other one is the virtual intelligence, and then the other one is the adversity intelligence. But the, the most critical ones when interacting with people is the emotional intelligence and the cultural intelligence. And, and both these, you cannot get them by reading books. You cannot get them by restraining yourself to your culture and your grouping. These two are attained by interacting with different people, by exposing and being willing to expose yourself to things beyond your home, beyond your mom. You know, the Baganda say, Atanaita uh, is the one who has not moved around, is the one that praises their mother's cooking. They think their mother's cooking is the best cooking in the whole entire world. But such an individual, will tend to hold biases, will tend to be, you know, um, a bigot. And, uh, but once they're exposed to other experiences, to other cookings, then they become enlightened to the fact that maybe there are other better things. There are bet other better cultures. There are better, you know, things associated with other people from different places. And that in line and in time breeds a, a tolerance towards other people. It breeds an acceptance uh, of other people and their norms and their differences. I know the thing with um, getting emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence is, especially for one that attains it by going to another place, it gives you the opportunity to be an, a minority as well, um, where your own culture now is silent and is not visible and you are forced to be immersed in somebody else's culture and you begin to appreciate the good things. But also it helps you to start to miss the certain things about your own culture. So a quick answer to what you've asked. Uh, uh, for, for us to be able to cope with this, we need to um, harness our emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence. Both these two things, I see them in the Bible. Um, and and um, briefly, uh, I will be talking about what we see in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians alludes to the two, cultural um, intelligence and um, you know, emotional intelligence. Hmm. Wow. Um, I never heard about cultural intelligence. And uh, so, yeah, we all have days we learn. And I'll look that up, Devi. Thank you so much for tickling my mind towards uh, such things. And I like that we have to interact with people uh, to be able to learn uh, these things. I'm reminded of John um, when he says to all who believed him, to all who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And I think at that point, our family changes. Um, we begin to belong to a different family. And when all those people come together, the Jews, the Gentiles, the Greek, when they all come together, they become one people. Um, and I think we need to live differently as, as believers. Uh, I do like that uh, Joel has posted something here. He says, I believe that growth in the knowledge of God just transforms us from the inside to see people as God's children and not care to even know their tribe. I, I, I really like that. I really like that. And I think it's, uh, it's something I like to hold on to because it's difficult. Um, uh. And yet, and yet, um, it's kind of part of a greeting. Um, when someone asks you, hey, what's your name? And then they ask, where are you from? Where are you from? I, I don't know what they'd be getting to by asking, where are you from? 
But I've also found an advantage, and I say advantage maybe to say a good feeling. I was sitting mm. in Rwanda once, this past trip that I made, sitting at a restaurant, I'm, I'm struggling to make an order, and then all of a sudden I begin to hear people on the table next to me speaking fluent Luganda, and there was a comfort in knowing I'm among my people, <laughs> if, I, mm. if I can put it that way, that should I get lost, at least I have someone to, to, who can understand me. And you can imagine, even probably if you travel to the U.S. and found a Ugandan, um, you mm. feel like, in as much as you may be from different tribes, but because you are Ugandan, and I think the language plays a very big role uh, in this, um, but... How can we as believers, this is what I'm getting to when I quoted John uh, mm. in saying that we become his children. I think as believers, David, this is the question you're going to be answering all throughout. And I'm going to ask this question and mute my mic. How can we be, as believers, live mm. differently? And I think that's a question you want to answer by looking at First Corinthians. But David, mm. Uh, mm. take us on um, as we begin to just get into God's word and find these answers in these very complex situations that we sometimes find ourselves in. God created the languages, and we know that they will be there. Tribes will be there in the end of time, but we do have a unifying factor or a unifying person, and that's the person of Christ Jesus. How does that tie into how we ought to live today mm. as believers amidst the different cultures, different nations, different skins of color? And to add, for those of you on the WhatsApp group, different finger sizes. Mm. Mm. <laughs> some short, some fat. And yo, okay. so David, please go ahead. All right. Thank you very much, David. And uh, good evening again, everyone that's listening. Um, you know, David, you need to be careful whenever you invite me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I tend not to, to tour the, the norm. Um, I, I, I was looking even at the poster that you designed for this particular episode. And I think it says, your tri- my tribe is better than your tribe. And then you inserted a red not uh, better than your tribe. But I mean, for me, if I was to do that post, I would actually erase the not. Because the truth is that my tribe is better than your tribe. Not in all things, but in some things. And guess what? That is God's design. That the eye is better than my finger at seeing. That my nose is better than my ear at smelling, that the diversity that we have is God created and it is supposed to be harnessed. So there's nothing wrong with recognizing that my tribe is better than your tribe in some ways and also your tribe is better than my tribe in some ways. And, and I want to use tribe generically Tribe can be can represent here the, the, the tribes that we belong to. Tribe can represent the age group. Tribe can represent, you know, educational, um, you know, exposure. Tribe can expose, I mean, can mean, you know, rest. And I mean, it's just a fact of life that there are differences. And the differences that we have been exposed to either naturally or through our exposure to different things, gives us an advantage over another grouping of people. But this is where 1 Corinthians also comes into, into play, that in recognition, for example, in 1 Corinthians, the points of divisions were you know, inclinations towards a certain leader or the giftings. And I will get into details into that. But let me, let me show you another, you know, very vivid example where that statement is true, that my tribe is better than yours. I was just watching uh, BBC and, and, you know, the horse that was carrying the queen's coffin. I, I paid close attention and I saw the star, you know, it was a Mercedes Benz. And I asked myself, why didn't they use a Range Rover? Why didn't they use Toyota? Why didn't they use Chira Motors from Uganda? You know why? Because they recognized, they wanted to use the best of the best. They recognized that the German machine is superior. Listen, it is a fact of life. 
whether we manufacture Chira motors here and we are very proud of our cars and we ought to be proud, the fact is the German's machine is much better than the Ugandan's machine. And so it's okay for the German to be able to say, not in a prideful way, that our machinery is much better than yours. And guess what? For me, a Ugandan, I can also tell a German individual that my dancing is more coordinated and much better than your dancing. But we're not saying these things, you know, in a prideful way. It is just a recognition. And this is where self-awareness, this is where emotional intelligence comes into play. Having a self-awareness of who you are, what God has given you, but also having the, the, the ability to control yourself on how you utilize this within the context of other people, that you don't gloss it over others. That is emotional intelligence. You don't come, for example, you find yourself in a situation where you have a lame person and you're busy boasting how fast you can run when you can clearly see that this individual is limited by nature and they can't run. Someone who boasts over a lame person, over something that they can't do, lacks emotional intelligence. And that's what was going on in the Corinthians church. There was a lack of emotional intelligence. They could not realize that, well, the fact that, you know, someone got saved through Apollos, someone else got saved through Paul, that that was, shouldn't have been a point of division. It shouldn't have been a point of, you know, boasting uh, towards each other, but should have been a point of, you know, connecting and saying those disciples of Apollos, the disciples of Paul, the disciples of John, all of them had uniquely been exposed to different things. How do we therefore come together in this church and share our different perspectives to make this thing called the church a rich um, organism that is harnessing the differences of the people that make it up. Now, some time back, I was asked to go and talk to an interracial team somewhere. Uh, it's a team that was composed of Muzungus and, and Africans, and there was division amongst them. You know, there was so much grumbling, and I was asked to go there. So I, I, I had several sessions, and so I'm, what I'm going to share with you comes from uh, my discourse with them, and, and maybe I can put these notes together. I know there's a place where you publish articles. I may avail this. But several things that I noted and I shared with them. Number one, that diversity is a reality of life. You know, having tribes is not a bad thing. It's God-given. And David, you alluded to that. God is the one who gave us these tribes. God is the one who gave us these languages. And even before the Tower of Babel, you know, there were, there were differences. There were families. Um, and then later on, the, the 12 sons of Jacob, who ended up being the 12, 12 tribes. And we see God, even as he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, he told them, stay in your tribes, stay in your groups, move in your groups and in your tribes. When they eventually conquered the promised land, you know, they were each given separate uh, properties and separate places where they could stay. So diversity is a reality, and we need to know that God is the one who ordains diversity. He's the one who, 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 who made possible the Vachigas to be there. They are Choli, the Vaganda, the Kikuyus, the Chinese, the Japanese, the Indians, you know. And we can see diversity in almost everything. Our human bodies, there's diversity. You have a heart, you have eyes, you have a head. And, and later on in 1 Corinthians is going to use the same analogy and say, listen, the head cannot say it's better than, you know, the feet because the head needs the feet to move. In this country, in Uganda, the Vachiga need the Vaganda. Their Cholis need the Banyankole. The whites need the black. The blacks need the orange or the brown people. We all need each other for us to be able to exist um, as mankind. You know, I was a sportsman and, and, you know, there were different positions in the sports team, um, particularly I played. Hey, David, I think we've lost you briefly there. I don't know, you will be back. It usually happens when someone calls you on the same phone that you are using. But David, uh, when you get a chance, please return and uh, we'll continue with this discussion. But it's interesting. Um, 
yes, where the discussion is going. I'm really, really intrigued. I, I can't wait to see the resolution uh, of all of this. Um, it's, it's, it's beautiful to see what God is doing and what he continues to do amongst the different people groups. Um, and I, I, I did not see that coming. <laughs> Him saying that uh, my tribe is better than yours. That being a true statement. But when you think about it, yes, we are better in one way, but we need each other. Uh, we need to depend on each other uh, to survive. I cannot imagine with us existing without the Chinese. Every product has made it in China and the signature of the Chinese. In as much as they are different people, different from us, the way they look is different. They've constructed some of our roads. We can do probably some of that work, but they do it better. And uh, just thinking about our first bypass and the second bypass, you can see a huge difference. Um, why? Because they have better technology in working these things, and we are better in one way. It's interesting that David brought up uh, dancing, <laughs> coordinated. It's true. Some of the people we know, um, yep, their dancing is uncoordinated. And not that we are superior, I think that's the word that David needs to define, even as he returns uh, to talk about the rest of uh, this topic. Superiority. I, it reminds me of uh, Tim Keller, and I think I quoted this uh, a while ago on the podcast. Tim Keller said that uh, no one who has been saved by grace will look at another with superiority because right there at salvation all our lives everything we ever did uh, comes to light and uh, and only christ can give us the forgiveness that we need not that we deserve but we need and once each one of us has received that forgiveness no one can look at another with superiority if you have been saved by grace if you have been saved by grace all right i can see some people here who I would like to ask to call in. If you know yourself, please go ahead and call in. I would like to know what you think as we wait for the V. Joel, what do you think, Lucy? What do you think? Uh, well, for me, I think uh, uh, I was, it was interesting. It is an interesting discussion, mm. mostly for me as a family, uh, because my father got to know Christ, at, you know, and he would tell us that we may be Congolese, we may be... You know, any tribe, the fact is we are God's children. So we grew up not knowing our heritage and all these things. So it was funny, but it, was, it is interesting. However, from David's discussion, maybe you will help me answer, is that uh, my question is, uh, when he shared of superiority, how we can be, you know, we must accept that we are, that some tribes are better at some things more than others. I was, you know, one thing came to me that, yes, there are some people who are not, just to use the example of dance, of dancers, who are not good dancers. Like, you know, the tribe is commonly known for having uncoordinated dances. But you find out, you find someone who stands out in that tribe and they are actually good dancers or, or in a race. Mm. They are actually, for example, you find like most people from the West, not West and Uganda, but in terms of maybe if I'm to use race whites, they may not be good dancers, but they are those who are extraordinary. And for me, I'm wondering in the sense of, in the sense of God has still, even in that way, made it possible that even when, you know, the Chinese or the the person of Benz may have the best car, someone will produce, you know, a car that has a hard body. They are all cars, but this one is good, but this one has a better body. This one has a better, you know, is good. <laughs> so I'm wondering is... I'm looking at it in the sense of what you said before that the cre the way God has created us is yes different tribes but at the same time like people can perform diff uh, uniquely different uh they can be unique even in their own tribe in the sense of the whole tribe they are good at maybe something but this one may be good at it and good at something that may be seen 
even in a d- mm. different tribe, which brings me to mm. uh, to something, you know, for me, I'm like, mm, maybe also we are unique even within our own tribes to the sense of God creates us with, you know, with his own thing that we can't be identified even into our tribes when we get to know him and to accept his purpose. Mm. All right. Yeah. Interesting question. Interesting question. Thank you so much, uh, Joel. Lucy, do you have a question for Levi before he returns? He's right there waiting to unmute his mic to answer these questions. What are your thoughts so far in the discussion? And if you have any questions or maybe something you'd like to restate that caught your attention before David returns. Lucy. Uh, just a comment about when he mentioned that even within, it doesn't even have to be interracial. Um, both my mother and father are from the same tribe, the same race, all that. But because my father grew up uh, in a home where they didn't quite depend, they didn't take culture as they didn't have, they had a very liberal culture. And yet my mother grew up in a more traditional setting. There was a distinct difference. My father wasn't big on kneeling down. Even my singers, they would stop you from kneeling when you're greeting them. And yet when I went anywhere with my mother, she would stand behind me. And when I'm greeting someone and I am not kneeling, I would feel that hand <laughs> tugging at my blouse to pull in or jack fukamira, kneel down. Mm. So that's those two. Yeah, that's that just came back to me when David mentioned yeah, mm. but I'm enjoying the mm. discussion. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lucy. Davy, if you caught Joel's uh, question, it had uh, the implication that, yes, in the example you gave in uh, one culture mm. being uncoordinated, there's always a Roman, uh, um, one who is coordinated, not just mm. by the way one, but you'll still find that even in that culture, you find mm-hmm. that, oh, that tribe, you still find people who are exceptional in, in one way or mm-hmm. another um, mm-hmm. in the sense of they may not be known as a people group for that particular skill, but they are still mm-hmm. people who are good. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I don't know if his statement is true when someone says, I am not my tribe. So also mm-hmm. to look at an individual away from who their tribe men are. But yeah, that was his and question in saying. Yeah, and, and David, and and I think that's where emotional and cultural intelligence comes in. Remember how I said you gain cultural intelligence or emotional mm. by by moving and interacting. So mm-hmm. I mean, generally, people would say the Muzungus do not have coordination, but when you travel mm. and you interact with many Muzungus, you will find that that is mm. not a, a general True. truth. Mm. It only applies mm. to some and not all. And so now cultural intelligence and emotional intelligence tells you you need to stop generalizations because they are not universal. The observations that you have, you've only been exposed to a few Muzungus. You've only been exposed to a few Germans because I know of some Germans who are very disorganized. Not all Germans are organized. So, and that's the point of, for you to gain this, you need to harness you know, moving outside your tribe, your grouping, so that you get to learn others. And then you realize that uh, these generalizations need to be avoided. Uh, all Muzungus, all black people, all Bachigas, all Bagandas, all Acholis, those are unfortunate statements that emanate from individuals who are lacking in emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence. Now, the other aspect that Lucy talked about, I don't know where you lost me. I somehow dropped off and I went on for like, I think 10 minutes just speaking to myself, but that's okay. Sometimes I need to preach to myself. But, you know, what, what Lucy shared, um, the, you know, for me and Amanda, I think it was easy because we entered into our marriage knowing that we are different. We entered into our marriage knowing that we have a hill to climb because of our different culture, different upbringing, different exposure. And so we got into our marriage from the word go knowing that there is work to be done. But here is where a number of marriages probably experience turmoil within, you know, people that have married people from their own tribes and in their own 
you know, own cultures. We come in with the assumption that because I've married a Muganda girl, she should obviously know these things. My friend, you are headed for trouble. You're headed for disappointment. Within each culture, there are subcultures. And these subcultures, unfortunately, are usually ingrained within an individual. And I like the example that, you know, Lucy shared. You know, the two are Bagandas, but, you know, the subcultures within which they were exposed to within their families begin to play out in the homestead. And soon this huge uh, culture of, of being Baganda is non-existent and you begin to clash. So we need to have that awareness that even within our own tribes, our own groupings, even within your own groupings as, you know, as people who went to the same school, there are other subcultures that need to be, you know, be recognized. And then you begin to interact from that point of view. Um, so so I, I think just alluding to the two points that were brought in. But as I was saying, you know, we need to be aware that, you know, diversity, earlier on I was talking about this, and this is seen in First Corinthians, that there's God-ordained diversity and man created diversity. God-ordained diversity, we need to know it, it is a good thing. It, it is from God, and, and, and First Corinthians 12 talks about this, you know, um, you know, the gifts of the spirit, the, the even the tribes we come from, uh, the different unique things that God has given us. There are those of us who are short, there are those who are tall. You know, that is from God and, and beginning to harness it. Um, it, it is by God's design, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians tells us as, as well. Um, and here's an interesting thing. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and uh verse 24 and 25, we see that the diversity that God gives us is not for our own good. It should be for the benefit of all. I don't know whether you heard my illustration when I talked about being in a rugby team. My shortness, I was in a rugby team, my shortness and my smallness enabled me to be very swift. And there were times the big guys could not have that swiftness and they needed the swiftness. Now, it would have been foolish for me to just group with my fellow smaller, short people and, and, and we begin to play by ourselves. We would not have managed in the game. But for us to know that the big guy has that bigness for the good of the team. And whenever we come together to work together, we become a winning team. This country needs the Vachiga. This country needs their Cholis with their different, unique uh, contributions to this nation, the Baganda, the Karamojong, we all need each other. And, and we need to, you know, not only celebrate our differences and our unique things, but we need to also find points of interaction where we can use our unique things for the good of others. And then diversity that is God-ordained recognizes that the unit is part of the whole, okay? It does not seek for isolation. Isolation is not of God. You know, three times in a year, the 12 tribes of Israel would come to Jerusalem and they would be united as they worshipped at the temple. And within the temple worship, there was no division. But after the worship ceremony, they went back to their tribes and they celebrated their you know, their, their diversity, they celebrated their uniqueness. Identities, you know, God-given um, diversity identifies with other groups in the seasons of life. That is chapter 12, verse 26. It doesn't seek to isolate itself. Uh, Paul gives the example of, you know, the body. It would be foolish for one day for us to come to, you know, work and you find all the eyes together on one desk and all the ears together on one desk, there's a revolt of the bodies that God has given us. The ears cannot go far. The best they can do is just hear. But they will need nourishment and they will need the legs and they will need the mouth and they will need the stomach. So God-ordained diversity identifies with other groups and seeks 
to find points of, of connection. And then I think I was talking about, uh, you know, the man created diversities, you know, uh, based on others thinking that they are superior to the others or inferiority complex or social status. Uh, that is sinful. Um, usually man created diversity is the one that, you know, perpetuates stereotypes and you stereotype people so that you can solidify your own grouping and, and elevate your grouping. And that's where that statement that is on the poster becomes evil. When it emanates out of a stereotype, when it emanates out of a prideful heart trying to exalt yourself above another grouping, then it is sinful. But when that statement of my tribe is better than yours, in a certain thing, is uttered out of recognition of the diversity that God has given us and the need for us to harness our uniqueness and put it together for the benefit of others, then it's a healthy thing. For example, you know, in the building of the temple, there were certain people who were skilled in working with wood. And when it came to working with wood for the temple, that group, it was okay for them to come up and say, my tribe is better than yours in woodwork. And therefore, here we are. We're going to offer ourselves in this thing. So in saying all this, and this, was a, this is a huge seminar that I did with this group. In saying all this, let me say that diversity is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. It's a healthy thing. And it needs to be harnessed. But it becomes bad when it brings division. Let me summarize this by saying, you know, when it comes to diversity, each group within the diverse uh, group, the diverse family or individual should seek the good of others over their own. When we celebrate our uniqueness, it should not be done at the expense of another group. That is sinful. This is what I mean. It is okay for you, for example, we, we have a Bible Institute here that has, you know, people from other tribes and other nations. It is okay for the Ugandans to speak Luganda when the Ugandans are together. But it is not okay to celebrate your, your uniqueness and your diversity when you have a Kenyan in your midst that does not understand Luganda. That is sinful. Because now you are isolating somebody else. You're making them not feel like part of the family, part of you know, the, what God has given you. So whenever you celebrate and you harness your diversity at the expense of another, then that is something that you need to stop because it is not right. And this is captured in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 to 24. Um, the other thing that we need to, 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 uh, to, to remember is watching out that we don't celebrate our diversity in a way that stumbles others. Okay, um, that's First Corinthians ten thirty two. You, you know that, and this is in the context of the, the adversity that existed within the church, the different gifts, and those who were speaking in tongues were not giving the prophets the opportunity, and they were loud enough, and they were affecting the church service, and actually there was chaos. And then Paul gives them what they need to use for them to interact very well as a diverse body made up of different tribes, made up of different social statuses, made up of different spiritual gifts in how they needed to coexist with one another. This is where 1 Corinthians 13 comes in. Do you notice the things that are outlined in 1 Corinthians 13? They are given in recognition of the fact that this is a diverse group. Listen, he talks about patience. Even within the context of marriage, I need to be patient with my wife because my wife never grew up in Uganda. She grew up in a different culture. And therefore, I have to be patient with her, even as she tries to adjust to this man who has grown up in a different culture. That's emotional intelligence. That's cultural intelligence. It says, I need to be kind 
Okay. I need to realize that this guy that I'm working with went to a different school. They did not go to the same school that I went to. And therefore, I shouldn't be rude and say, You know, some of us went to schools and some of you went to, you know, those things that we throw around. It calls for kindness. And then for those of, of us who are probably are not privileged to go to maybe places that we perceive to be superior, um, it says we should not be envious. Love does not envy. And for those of us who probably were exposed to other things, it talks about love does not boast. It is without pride. It is without inappropriate behavior, without seeking our own. Okay? Not that. We shouldn't be interacting while we are seeking our own. You know, I see these things because I'm a Muchiga. Now I begin to seek for my fellow Bachigas within Word of Life or my fellow Baganda or my fellow people that we have all, you know, those divisions. It's not, it's not a godly thing. Okay? And so on and so forth. So because we are running out of time, let me say this. The diversities, the tribes, the groupings that exist are God-ordained. And they can be celebrated in a healthy way in recognition that there are other groupings as well and that our group before God is not better. But our group, as gifted by God in different ways, is better than another group. And that betterness is not supposed to be used to our advantage. It's supposed to be used for the benefit of all. That is healthy diversity. And that needs to be harnessed and celebrated because that's God's way of putting us together. David. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, if you have any questions for David, I'll give you maybe two extra minutes to post any questions you may have uh, for David in the chat. But David, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, just thinking about the things you just shared, honestly, I did not think you were going to go that direction. I knew it was going to be difficult to reconcile the different tribes that God himself has uh, put in place, mm -hmm. created uh, with the dangers of what we see. I knew that was going to be difficult, but I love uh, how we found a balance. If they, I know you hate that word balance, but <laughs> between the two, in knowing that, yes, um, it is for... Not, not my advantage, but advantage of other. If I should decide that past, I mean that poster again, I think mm. a person who says your tribe is better than mine has really found redemption. Um, mm. One who acknowledges yes. and says your tribe is better than mine, I think that person has found uh, the intelligence that we're talking about. And so let's find ourselves in those places where we acknowledge the good things about the differences we may have with people. I think that will give us an advantage in how to begin a conversation, knowing that we are not superior or more superior than they are. Um, I think that helps uh, to find uh, and, and, that And you balance. know what, David? Yeah. I like that statement. When I realize that your tribe is better than mine, I begin to seek you out. Mm. I begin to put together a team that is not just comprised of my tribe. I begin to put together a team that is comprised of other tribes. And again, I say tribe is generic. It's mm. not necessarily just tribe, tribe. Um, and that makes a very healthy team, a very healthy family, a very healthy uh, social unit. Mm. For those who might have joined late, tribe could mean maybe education, uh, background, IT guys, lawyers, and things like that. We all have different habits. Um, and, and, and so in building a team, when David talks about the tribe, the word tribe being more diverse than racial tribe, that's, that's what he means. It could mean people who have certain things in common. And, uh, but David, thank you. I want to say thank you so much. It was a difficult topic, but it has been made easy. I think Chibaya has a question here. Um, he says, I just had a question with man-made unity thinking about the Tower of Babel, but I think it goes well mm -hmm. with something that he shared about mm -hmm. not being considered, not being considerate uh, of others. Mm -hmm. I think also that, that endeavor, that project was very, very selfish 
of that mm. whatever that tribe was. <laughs> it was very it, it selfish. It was. It was actually it was in contravention of of mm. God's command because mm. after the flood, God tells mankind go out and spread. And what does man say? Let's come we together mm. and build upwards. So it was in contravention of God's, and and that is very similar to what we see. You know, God has created us in diversity, and He says, "Listen, you the Baganda interact with the other tribes, but we are saying, ah, uh-uh, for us the Baganda, we are going to stay together. Mm. For us the Acholis, you are going to stay together. That is in contravention of God's commands for us to be able to, you know, interact with others. And the great command, as given in Acts one eight, you know." The, the Jews are told, listen, don't just stay within Jerusalem, go to Judea, interact with the Samaritans, and then go to the outside world and interact with the barbarians as well. So God's intention is for us to, to be cross-cultural uh, entities that harness the diversity that God has given us. And there the Great Commission uh, is, is well fulfilled. Hmm. Amen. Amen. I think it now makes sense. A lot, a lot, a lot of sense. Uh, reach out and uh, just declare God. Um, one of the things I found interesting as we discussed this was the unity that comes with speaking the same language. Even when he divided them, those men at Babel found themselves, the ones who understood each other, um, got into those groups, uh, people groups. And I think we can speak the same language once we have the same father. And it's interesting, uh, today you recognize that we were worshiping with different people from different places, but we're mm-hmm. talking about the same God. And when someone says, praise the Lord, they all would reply, amen. That is the same language. And I think when we speak the same Christian language, it will become better. People who are not Christians may not have a unifying factor, but we do have one. One that requires transformation. They will be known as children of God. To all who believed him, to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. And the word become is transformational. It's not just an experience. You actually, your nature changes. But David, thank you, thank you, and thank you so much. David, I think I'm going to pursue the fact that you promised us those notes. And I'll publish them. Um, let me ask those of you who are listening in, go to cabindivos.com and uh, just tap email updates and uh, give us your name, email address, and I'm going to be sending you uh, those notes that David has has talked about, just sharing with us. I know he may need some time to look through them and maybe see what you edit, make it more uh, applicable to us, but I, I, I'm going to make sure that is done. I'll keep reminding him so those notes are done and are shared with you. Just go to cabindivos.com and tap email addresses. Right there, I will simply ask you for your name and email address, and I'll be able to share with you these notes when they are delivered uh, to us. Well, next week, we're going to have Mr. or Pastor Kevin Holman is going to be back. The last time he was here, he was talking about doomsday, the day you lost your job or the day you lose your job. Now he's going to be talking about, oh, happy day, the day you get your new job. And the more we kept talking, he said, I want to just simply talk about the times when God gives us new opportunities in life. Sometimes those new opportunities are misused, but how should we react when good things come our way. And that's what we're going to be talking about this coming Sunday. Then the Sunday after, I'll be having Mr. Chip Nightingale, and he's going to be talking about (laughs) the war between married couples, war between married couples. We'll take some time to look at some of the chapters that he has in his book, Ceasefire, and I'll be giving you more details on how those books have been discounted almost up to 50%, because now we are able to print those books here in Uganda. In fact, we just printed the first 100 copies. 30 copies have been booked. The other four copies have been booked. And I think the remaining 50, uh, yep, they have a place to go. But if you would like to get in touch with me and I'll be able to give you a copy, I think I do have some extra copies. 14 have already been paid for cash. And we are doing all of this. Why? Because one of the other things we're going to be doing is start these book clubs. And if you'd like to join the book club, go to cabindivos.com and tap book club. Right there, you'll be able to sign up and join the discussion. 
it is in a safe place. If you need to get the code for invitation, uh, either join our WhatsApp group or send me a WhatsApp and uh, I'll be able to help you with that. Or ask a friend who is already on the book club. Why? Because we protect this space. There's weird people on the internet and we try to protect this space. It's going to be a very, very safe place for you to discuss. But guys, thank you. And thank you so much for being here with us. I'm really glad that you came. See you again next week. May God richly bless you. Asante sana.